that last week we spent some time looking at how we can live our best life as we follow Jesus. And uh, if you missed that sermon last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to it again at some point this week, because it sort of sets the foundation that we're going to build everything off of over the next few weeks as we look at these spiritual holy habits that we can, um, that can help us to grow in our faith. They're all grounded on why, on our motivation for why we might want to do them. Jesus wants us to live our best life. And to do so, we need to breathe Jesus in. We need to breathe him in and breathe out all that would distract us from him. And as we breathe Jesus in, we breathe him in so that his life might grow within us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these holy habits in uh, detail. uh, And they are effectively breathing techniques ways that help us to be able to fix our eyes, to fix our lives on Jesus and be able to breathe him in, that his faith and our, our, life, our, our lives might grow with him. So today we're going to look at the habit of study, or as I've called it, thinking up. And uh, we're appropriately going to do so by studying the Bible together. So before we're going to go any further, we're going to listen to God's word. And if you've got your Bibles with me, with you, you're more than welcome to turn with me to Psalm 119. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be up on the screen. Uh, but we're, Psalm 119 is where we're going this morning. And we're going to read from verses 9 to 16 together. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I see you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your words. Before we go any further, let's pray um, that God speak to us this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it shapes and informs our lives, for the way in which it reveals in who you are, for the way in which we can hide it within our heart that it might bless us and lead us in our relationship with you. And so Lord, as we come to look at this passage now, would your word be speaking to our hearts? Would you give us open hearts and open minds to hear what you might have to say to us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you are like me, the idea of living your best life and the idea of study don't go together. Uh, I can think uh, fondly of numerous ways that I have gone to avoid, or lengths that I have gone to, to avoid study. And thankfully, my days of formal education are behind me, so I don't need to worry about that as much anymore. Uh, but the times when I decided to take a 20-minute break from doing some work 
uh, sat down, watched the cricket, and an hour later, I thought, I'll just keep watching because someone was on 89 runs, and I couldn't possibly miss them get to 100 runs. And two hours later, I'm still sitting there waiting for it to happen. Or offering to do the washing up to avoid having to go back to my uh, revision. Or the endless hours spent playing championship manager or football manager, um, uh, if you're... uh, if that's the version of the game you can remember, uh, when I spent hours playing this game, all when I was meant to be doing revising instead. And this was all before the days of social media, when there was an endless stream of content and videos that is all designed to distract us um, from paying attention to things like study. It's amazing the lengths you can go to when you set your mind to it uh, to avoid studying. Uh, When we think of living our best life, if you're like me, you get the idea of living your best life. It's about fun and freedom much more than it is sitting in a library, reading, learning, growing. Maybe there are some bookworms here today who uh, that uh, is not you, but certainly for me that is what I can find myself thinking. And so when we come to our reading that we've read together this morning, and the psalmist starts by asking a question. And the question he asks is, how can the young person stay on the path of to purity? In other words, how can we ensure that we live the way that God wants us to live? How can we know his goodness, his righteousness? How can we live our best life? And the way that he says that works, works for young people and, by the way, for old people as well. And his response is quite simple. He says that if we are to live our best life, if we are to stay on the path to purity... We need to live according to God's words. So this morning we're going to take a little bit of time to explore together how we can do this, how we can train ourselves uh, so that we might be able to grow in our faith, to grow into the fullness of God's goodness. And, And as we think and live our life, in a way that is according to God's word in the Bible. I want to start this morning by highlighting the power of our minds in determining the life that we will live. Uh, What we think about, what fills our minds, will impact the way that we live our lives. Here, I've helpfully got a nice little prop, a glass of half-full water. Now, if with my glass of half-full water, there are two different stories that you can tell yourself. You can say the glass is half-full, or you can say the glass is half-empty. Both stories have very different narratives attached to them. If you're a half-full kind of person, it's a bit more optimistic. It recognizes that there's space for growth. It recognizes you've already been blessed with half a cup. There's room for more. If you're a half-empty kind of person, you see the cup and you think, oh, well, there's, I really want it to be full, but I'm missing out on something. It's a much more pessimistic um, thing that makes us feel like we are disappointed. The circumstances of the glass remain the same, 
the story we tell ourselves can be radically different. Now, that might be a silly illustration, but it illustrates an important point. Our minds have the ability to control the narrative of our lives. So what narrative is your mind telling you? If we are to live our best lives, how might we control our minds so that they tell us a better story? How might we be glass half full people rather than glass half empty people? The circumstances are the same. The story is different. The good news is that God understands this challenge and this battlefield for telling two different stories with the same circumstances. And uh, the early church were regularly reminded of this battleground, battleground that there was for their minds. In Romans 12, verse 2, uh, Paul encourages the church to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says the same message to the church in Philippi, saying to, to them, do not be anxious about anything, but whatever is true, whatever is notable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, and here's the key thing, think about such things. Your mind is powerful. We need to be aware of the story we're telling ourselves. We need to think about what we're thinking about. If you want to live your best life, if you want to know life in all its fullness that Jesus offers to us all, we need to control our minds. Richard Foster puts it this way, many Christians remain in bondage to fears and anxieties simply because they do not avail themselves of the discipline of study. The discipline and the habit of study transforms our lives. It transforms the way we see the world around us. Reading God's word enables, trains, and strengthens us to live our lives by faith, to see not just the world around us, but to see and know the God who created the world. The habit of study helps us to breathe Jesus into our lives. So the question is, are you controlling your mind or is your mind controlling you? I'll say that again. Are you controlling your mind or is your mind controlling you? You have a choice to make. Which story are you going to tell yourself? I see plenty of things to be worried about around the world, in my own life, in our circumstances, here in Cambridge. I see plenty of things that concern me. Throughout this life, I, just like the rest of us, will face challenges and struggles and difficulties that all of us will face throughout life. But when we are in those moments of challenge and difficulty, which narrative will we tell ourselves? Which story will we listen to? Will we let our mind be run down, by the, the, down the rabbit hole of anxiety and worry? Or will we instead tell ourselves a different story? 
and look to God and to the sure truth that is within his word instead? Will we join the psalmist in desiring to live our lives by his word, by seeking with all our hearts and pleading with him to not let us stray from his commands? In order to control his mind, the psalmist realized that we can't trust just our own minds to regulate themselves. Instead, in verse 11, the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart. As we read this passage, we get this wonderful image of someone who is so hungry for God, someone who's convinced that they have been filled and saturated with the uh, and saturated their whole life with God's word, uh, with the truth of who He is, that He has pro- of what He has promised, and who He has called us to be. And so this makes me ask the question: What are you filling your life with? What are you hiding in your heart? There are so many things that we can treasure, that we can hide in our hearts. And ultimately, it's only up to you to know what those things are that you are holding on to and treasuring in your heart today. For many of us, we treasure our family in our hearts. We treasure our money in our hearts. We can even treasure things that aren't good for us, the hurt and offense that someone has caused to us and the pain that they have inflicted. As we read and listen to the news and fill our minds with all the different narratives the world wants to tell us, we can hold on to these things in our hearts. What is it that is on your heart this morning? What are you holding on to? Those things might be good, they might be not so good to hold on to. But above them all, have you hidden the word of God in your heart? If not, you're missing out on hidden treasure, treasure that can help to control your mind and lead you to know the fullness of life that God longs for each one of us to experience. So let's take a moment to think about how we might hide the word of God into our hearts. And before we can hide anything, we need to know God's word. So the question is, how can we do that? How can we know what God's word is? Well, the simple answer is rather quite simple. It says, read the Bible. That is uh, the easiest way to know God's word, to make time to read it, to study it, to understand it. And the good news is that reading the Bible has never been easier. If you like the old-fashioned, traditional way of doing things, get an old paper copy of the Bible and sit down and read it like a good old book. Uh, But there are plenty of other ways in this modern day that we are able to read the Bible too. Uh, We have the Bible app on our phones or on our tablets by uh, YouVersion that I mentioned a few weeks ago. I think over half a billion people in the world have downloaded the Bible onto their phone. Um, And it's got great resources there, reading plans that can help you to read the Bible, as well as the Bible in just about every different translation and language there is um, uh, that certainly I'm aware of. 
The Bible in One Year app, or you can get it as a book as well, is a guide that helps you to read through the Bible over a year and then to be able to think about what those passages actually mean for you. Lectio 365, another app, takes the Bible and helps us to pray and know the Word of God each day as we follow Jesus. And these are just a selection of some of the resources that we can use today to help us to know God's Word. There are countless resources out there. But reading the Bible doesn't have to stop with just those ones. You can go, read the Bible by going along to a home group and creating space with other people to talk and to share about what God has been saying. You can get to know the Bible by listening to sermons and podcasts, not necessarily just of me, but of other people as well. You can even listen to audio books on the Bible. You can take the sermon notes home and reflect on the going deeper questions to help you to not just hear a sermon, but to know the word of God in your heart. It has never been easier to know the word of God. The question is, are we willing to engage with it, to put the effort in, to develop the habit of reading it and studying it? Once we know the word of God, we also need to let God's word sink into our hearts. And Richard Foster gives some really helpful tips about some ways that we might be able to not just sit down and read the Bible like it's a novel, um, but to actually to read it in a way that is going to help us to know God and hide his word in our hearts. Firstly, he says that one of the best ways you can read the Bible is to read it repetitively, uh, to practice repetition. If you do something once or twice, you might keep it up for a little while, but if you do it repetitively, it becomes a holy habit and you'll continue to read and to sustain your relationship with God. Next, uh, his tip is to concentrate. Um, we, as we read the Bible, we need to concentrate. There are so many distractions in the world around us today. Uh, but we need to find a way of creating space, of turning off the distractions, so that we can not just read whilst everything else is going on around us and we're being distracted by 20 different things, but that we can really dwell and concentrate on what God's Word is saying and how that might apply to our lives today. We also need uh, to understand and to comprehend what God's word is saying. We should never just read one verse of the Bible in isolation. The Bible is one great, big, huge story of what God is doing. And if we just take one verse, the chances of reading that out of context are quite high. We need to understand what is going on in the passage, to read it in the entirety of it and let that shape uh, uh, and uh, the, the uh, understanding that we take from what we have read. Finally, we need to reflect on God's words, to let his words speak to our lives, to embed it in our hearts, to reveal to us how Jesus might be shaping, leading, and transforming us, that we might live our best life with him. And this leads us nicely on to the point of recognizing that reading and studying the Bible is never just an academic, intellectual exercise. If we're reading the Bible like it's just something to know, 
to consume, then we're reading it wrong. The Bible is something that we need to live out. Look back at verse 9 with me. The psalmist starts off by saying, uh, we need to live according to God's words. And this theme is seen throughout the Bible. In fact, the whole Bible is a big story of people trying to live according to the word of God. Sometimes they did it really, really badly. And sometimes they did it really, really well. And when they listened to God's word and obeyed him and treasured it in their hearts, it not only transformed their lives, but it transformed the lives of those around them and it transformed the world as well. One day, Jesus was approached by a rich young ruler and he was asked by Je- or, or he asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. Uh, many of us will know the story, but Jesus responded by saying, you know the answer, keep the commandments, know what the, what the word of God says. And the young ruler turns around to Jesus and said, Rabbi, yes, I know, I know all that. I've done that since I was young. And Jesus turns round to him and says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything and give it to the poor. At which point we're told that this young ruler who knew everything went away sad because he had great wealth. He knew it, but he couldn't live it. It's one thing to know all the answers but it's another thing to live it out, to put it into practice. It's one thing to know God. It's another to live it out. Living it out might not be easy. It might not sit comfortably. It might even be costly. But if we put God's word into practice, I assure you that it will transform your life and enable us all to live our best lives. As we live out God's word, it sets us up for what God's word is ultimately all about. It enables us to encounter Jesus and to continue to grow in his likeness. When we read the Bible, we don't just read some words on a page, but we open ourselves up to a living encounter with the one true living God the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who loves us, the one who died for us, the one who rose again, defeating the power of sin and death forevermore. That's the God we can encounter as we read the Bible. As we encounter Jesus, as his word dwells within our hearts and in our minds, we can't help but be moved, like the psalmist, to praise to rejoice, to delight in the wonder of who our God is. Take a moment to listen to the psalmist again in verses 12 to 16. He says this, Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. There is a reason to study and set our minds on God's word, and that is because it gives us the opportunity to be able to encounter God together. When we encounter him, there is only one response, and that is to praise him, 
to worship him for who he is, for what he has done, for all that he has revealed to us. Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why should we practice this habit of studying the Bible? Why should we read this book that's 2,000 years old? It's not out of date. It's not out of touch. It is the source of truth. And it's the way, that, or it's the way that to experience true and lasting freedom and the life in all its fullness that God longs for us to, to experience. To follow Jesus means we need to think up. It means holding on to his teaching, knowing his word, living it out. It's about hearing his words and saying that we are really and truly his disciples because we listen to his teaching. As we think up, we can know with confidence that we will encounter Jesus. We will breathe him in. He will reveal himself to us. He will enable us to live our best life. And as we live out our best life, we will never cease to praise, rejoice, and delight in all that he reveals to us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you and we praise you that you want us to know you. That you want us to know the difference that you make to life. That you want us to live our best life. And so, Lord, we pray that we would take your word, that we would know your word, that we would long for more of your word and we would hide it deep down in our hearts. Lord, this week, would you help us to know more of who you are and to continue to develop this habit of study, not just for the sake of knowing, but for knowing more of you and the life and the hope that you offer to each one of us. Lord, as we know your words, would you also help us to live it out, to put it into practice? And throughout it all, Lord, we long to encounter you to know more of who you are, to join with the psalmist in praising you for the great riches that you have blessed to us with, that we might delight in your decrees, that we might never neglect your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.